This is With Intrepid Heart Sermons, sermons by Rev. Adam Moline of Good Shepherd Lutheran Church in Lincoln, Nebraska. In the name of Jesus, amen. Dear Christians, our Old Testament lesson for this morning is amazing. I could probably talk about it all day long, but I understand there's a... Super Bowl or something like that this evening, so I'll try and keep it a little bit shorter than that. It begins in the wilderness, and the people were thirsty. They had no water, and as a result of that, they quarreled against Moses. They shouted at Moses. They complained at Moses, give us water to drink. They didn't use their manners. They didn't ask with please, and if they got water, there would be no thank you. They wanted Moses to give them water. They wanted it now, and if they didn't get it, our text says they would stone Moses to death. And so, the people... Meribod, with God's appointed servant, Moses. Meribah is the Hebrew word that means quarrel. They quarreled with Moses. They were physically at odds with him, ready to strike him down. They yelled at him. They made him afraid for his life. They threatened him. They cursed him to his face. Why did you bring us up out of the land of Egypt where things were comfortable only to kill us here by thirst? Kill us and our children and our livestock with thirst. People quarreled against Moses. And in their quarreling with Moses, they were also doing something else without realizing it. They were also putting God to the test. Testing God in the same way that a blacksmith tests the quality of the metal that he's forging to see if it's any good or not. The Hebrew word for that is masa. They were massaying the Lord God, testing him. Their faith didn't acknowledge his goodness, his mercy, his care, or his compassion. They didn't believe that he was really present. They didn't believe he had already provided much to him. They confessed it with their own words, as our text says. Is the Lord among us or not? In fact, their complaint even denied that God was the one who led them up out of Egypt. For who did they blame for that? Not God, but Moses. Masa, testing the Lord. Meribah, quarreling with Moses, the Lord's appointed servant, complaining over their current life circumstances, concerned more with the immediate moment rather than God's long-term 
plan and care. Grumbling, complaining, whining, throwing adult temper tantrums. The people of Israel, so newly rescued from Egypt, were already sinning against God. There's only one solution for sin. Sin must be forgiven. It must be put into the past, washed away. So that's God's plan. God tells Moses, Pass in front of the people. Bring some of the elders with you. Carry the staff from Egypt with you and go. Behold, I will stand before you on the rock at Horeb. And when you strike the rock, water will flow forth. God forgives their sin by standing on a rock in front of the elders and Moses. And when the rock is struck by the staff, water flows forth, providing the much-needed relief for God's people, providing water, forgiving sin. Now, how does this happen? How can rocks provide water? They can't do it because of Moses. Moses is only a man. Rocks can only provide water if it's a miracle done by God's working, by God's power only. We know that it's not Moses who's able to bring water from the rock because just a few books later in the scripture, in Numbers chapter 20, God's people again need water. God tells Moses, just speak my word and that will be enough. But Moses doesn't listen. Moses thinks he knows better than God. Rather than speaking God's word, Moses takes the staff again. High and mighty in himself, he strikes a rock. And the first time, nothing happens. He strikes it a second time. And only then, when God sees his stubborn heart, does God allow water to flow forth. You see, God is the one who provides the miracle of water. And he does so on his own terms. And he lectures Moses, saying, Because you didn't trust my word you may not enter the promised land. Yet, in our Old Testament lesson, it is God who provides the water. In our Old Testament lesson, it is God standing on the rock, surrounded by the people who brings forth water for the people. And in this reality... God teaches us what to look for in Jesus. 
Yes, our Old Testament lesson is about Jesus. Close your eyes. Picture the scene in our Old Testament lesson in your mind. Moses striking the rock with his staff. God standing on the rock and providing water for all the people from that rock. Keep that picture in your mind. Or perhaps keep the picture of what happens just five verses later in the book of uh, Exodus in your mind. No, it's not our Old Testament lesson today, but it goes together with it and it has the exact same image. An enemy fights against Israel, Amalek. Joshua leads the army of Israel into battle while Moses stands away at a distance. When Moses holds up his hands, Israel wins in the battle. But when his arms grow tired and full, Israel loses. So Aaron figures out a plan. He grabs a rock and he sets it down. He sits Moses on the rock. They both hold up his hands so that they won't fall down. And Israel wins the battle. Moses, with his hands outstretched, allows Joshua to win the battle by God's work. Dear Christian, keep these images in your mind. But now open your eyes and look up here at the altar. A stone slab with a crucifix on the top. An image of Christ. A statue of Good Friday. Do you recall what happened on Good Friday? Lent is near. We will soon hear it. The elders of Israel the high priest and his henchmen were marabying and quarreling against Jesus, God's anointed servant. They were grumbling against the Messiah. They arrested him at night and sought to put him to death. They hired people to tell lies about him. They made him carry a cross to a rock, Golgotha, the place of the skull. And there upon the rock, they held up his arms, securing them with nails to the cross so that they would not fall down. And they left him there to die. As Jesus hangs there, he fights Satan. Just as his namesake, Joshua, fought against Amalek. But with the nails 
piercing his wrists, his arms cannot fall. Jesus will not lose. And while Jesus hung there suffering, what did the people do? They massaged against him, testing him to see if he was God or not, to see if he was the Son of God or not. Their words taunted him with this. If you are the Son of God, come down from that cross. Then we will believe in you. Then we will know that you are Emmanuel, God with us. Masa, Meribah, quarreling and testing. Jesus stayed on the cross to win forgiveness for the entire world by his holy, precious blood, innocent suffering and death. And when he had breathed his last, shouting out into heaven, they struck him with a staff, a spear, piercing his side, and out flowed blood and water. Water from the rock, water from Christ, water and blood for the world. Dear Christian, you need to know this. You need to see how Christ fulfills the exodus. Because you sin. You sin greatly. You sin by masaing and meribahing, testing the Lord and quarreling with the people God has placed in your life. You do it often. You ask, is God with me? Or not, because I feel alone, helpless, abandoned. As a result, you live as if God's word doesn't matter to your life, as if there are other things that are more important, as if other activities take precedence over God and his gifts. You self-justifyingly quarrel, sometimes with God's servants, sometimes with your family, sometimes with whoever's around at the moment. You quarrel against God's word. When he calls your sin out, you say, it's not my fault. I was born this way. Circumstances have been hard lately. How can I come to God's house when it's so dangerous? Who are you to judge me? You test God 
and his patience by loving other things more than God. Your addictions, your idols, your reputation, your clothes, your home, yourself. You sin. You sin often. You sin terribly. Dear Christian, I know that it's comfortable to be a slave to sin. But don't you know that God has rescued you? That he's brought you out of slavery. Not slavery in Egypt, but slavery to sin. He's rescued you. He's given you a new life. He's promised you a good land, an eternal land, a land flowing with milk and honey, where you will be with God face to face, where he will wipe every tear from your eyes. You've sinned, and there's only one solution to sin. God must forgive it. He must wash it away. So Jesus, God's appointed servant, God in the flesh, stands on the rock of Golgotha. He's nailed to the cross with his arms upstretched, Water and blood flow from his side for you, for your forgiveness, for your sin. Paul tries to explain this in our epistle lesson much more briefly than I have. The rock, the real rock, is Christ. And the water that flows from him is the waters of holy baptism. The waters that washed you in the font. That forgave you your sin. That marked you as Christian. That delivered you from your slavery to sin. Live in that water. The water of Christ Live in his forgiveness. Live as a Christian. Stop testing God, but love his word. Stop contending against him. Stop quarreling with him. Be Christian. Drink from the well of Christ and never thirst again. Partake in the gifts God gives, for they bring you forgiveness. 
Dear Christian, do you see now how important this section of the Old Testament is? How amazing of a text it is. It's all about Jesus on a rock, on a cross, with water flowing from his side for the life of the world. Now, to close, I want to give you a little bit of homework. Don't worry, I won't test you later to see if you've done it. But I can't talk about all of the scripture that has to do with this Old Testament lesson and still get you home in a reasonable amount of time. When you go home, read John chapter 4, where Christ calls himself the living water that you can drink from and never thirst again. The Holy Spirit caused Psalm 95 to be written about our Old Testament lesson. And the psalm has come to us in the words of the Venite on page 220 of your hymnal. Read Psalm 95 when you go home. Sing the Venite sometime this week. And as you do, think about John 4. Think about Psalm 95. Think about the Venite and how all of these pictures come together to teach us about Christ, the rock of our salvation, from whom flows the waters that forgive our sin with the blood that has earned just that. In the name of Jesus, amen. Now may the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. This has been With Intrepid Heart Sermons by Pastor Adam Moline. The words, With Intrepid Hearts, come from the conclusion to the Book of Concord where it is written, By God's grace, with intrepid hearts, we are willing to appear before the judgment seat of Christ with this confession, and give an account of it. We will not speak or write anything contrary to this confession, either publicly or privately. By the strength of God's grace, we intend to abide by it.